Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire, the Leadership Development Podcast, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua double underscore Stamper. Ryan, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Well, thank you, Josh, for having me here today. Well, it's an honor. We've been connected on social media for so long, and I am a huge fan of your podcast, which we'll talk about later. But before we do that, I'd love to hear about your educational journey. Well, for those who don't know me, I'm Ryan Reed. This is going, um, believe it or not, it has been officially, I'll say, 10 years of getting education. Um, I worked uh, various other places, businesses, healthcare, and stuff. Got married, and a lot of people just said, you know what, you need to think about another career. I said, yeah, you know, right, I'm pretty good at tech. And some people think, what about teaching? I said, well, teaching, I haven't really thought about that. And I kind of enrolled into a um, accelerated master's degree course at Northern Illinois University, which is my alumni, where I got my uh, bachelor's. So I returned. I got my master's in December 2011. And one of my uh, professors somehow convinced me saying, you need to go for your doctorate. And I said, <laughs> I, what? And she's like, no, you'll do it. So forth. And uh, somehow she talked me into it. And as of uh, last, officially as of last January, though, officially graduation made despite the pandemic, I officially finished my doctorate of education in instructional technology with a little bit more focus on curriculum development. So that's uh, awesome. I've done that. I've been, um, I've worked uh, for private and public schools. I worked as a technology facilitator for a one-to-one at Christian Life Schools in Rockford. Some budget cuts happened. I ended up switching to Jackson Charter School back when they were K through eight. Um, I worked as their technology coordinator, later their director for a year. State impasse in Illinois, unfortunately, made some other cuts and everything. So I wound up where I'm in my current school district, which is in the Meridians 223 School District in Ogle County, which is, people always joked about me. My high school, my good old town of Sycamore was out in the middle of nowhere. And I said, oh no, you want to see rural. Let's head over to Stillman Valley. But great, <laughs> great bunch of, I'm sure uh, PJ is listening to me right now, our superintendent, but no, uh, it's a great, uh, great school, little community about, we're about 580 in students. We're about to have our biggest graduating class here in uh, two more months and everything. We'll have thing, but a uh, real thing. I serve as the business and technology teacher at Stillman Valley High School. We do the broadcast there. I was the FBLA, the Future Business Leaders of America advisor. Of course, we took a year off after the pandemic as well mm-hmm. as some uh, students graduating and leaving the school. So kind of as many organizations at the high school, some kind of went into kind of uh, status and some kind of stopped until whenever. And some just kept continuing through. And um, yeah, and here I am now. I also do some consulting and webinars for Infobase and uh, some other people. And I'm usually just a personal way for uh, help. I've been helping, believe it or not, a lot of former classmates who are teachers in the various district as their unofficial instructional coach to like, well, I'll do this. Well, okay, here's what you can do. So that's my little uh, history in two minutes there. Well, you have such knowledge as far as instructional technology and the classroom right now in the pandemic. I just want to know what model you're currently in and if you're doing blended classrooms. Well, um, we did start as a hybrid model. So uh, originally when the school year started after we returned in the fall of uh, 2020, we went to a hybrid model. So basically was we did A through L. And then M through Z, uh, two days out of the week. So it's, we, we have a block schedule. So Monday and Tuesday would be A, B day. We'd have the A through um, L kids and the rest would be remotely. Wednesday would be a full remotely for them to deep clean us to also have a more smaller classes. And then mm-hmm. Thursday and Friday would just be business as usual. Of course, we had our little bit of pause just after Thanksgiving due to the heights. Um, we came back face to face around the, I believe it was the 15th of January. So we still have some students that are in remote learning. Otherwise we have... Um, normal uh, everyday classes now so block schedule so um, I usually will teach I don't have an assistant but I use a blended classroom model mm-hmm. uh, which I'll talk about a little bit more what led to that 
with the students. So uh, basically I have, you know, I talk a little bit or I have self-paced students. I'm available through various ones, but I usually at a given time have at least four or five minutes. Students are in remote or something's happened that's caused them to be in remote learning for a day or two. And then other times I've got students in the classroom and I only have an assistant for one class due to some, uh, you know, IEP requirements. Sure. Um, otherwise, it's just me. I, I, uh, my son's school, they actually have uh, remote teachers that are specifically de- designated for remote teachers, but I am uh, usually the guy in front of the camera and I'm the guy walking around the room at a safe distance, pointing out problems and uh, just keeping the relationships going. Yeah. So how are you doing that with the, the kids right now, you know, in that setting where you're actually building relationships that are authentic? Well, and, and that's a good point, because luckily, um, some of these kids have been with me since they were freshmen. This is my fourth year. Hard to believe it'll be four years, uh, 100% done come this mm-hmm. May here. Uh, since I mean, so some of the, a lot of these kids have been with me with for the last four years. So when I came in, I replaced uh, one business uh, tech teacher who left for um, other opportunities, and he left the area. So it was a very interesting relationship, because the older students at that time, seniors and juniors, did not know what to make with me, because the person I was, and I've talked to him, he's a very good guy. He's an expert at business. Technology was not his strong point. And then I was the opposite. I was more higher, strong technology, but I had a lot of experiments from working in debt. So my relationships with those seniors and juniors was very challenging. Meanwhile, these freshmen and sophomores now who are, you know, graduated or seniors and everything else, basically we all kind of came in as uh, the pieces. We, you know, learned to test each other's model between what I would take and whatnot. And of course I was new to a school and I had previous school, I had worked more inner city. So this was kind of a strange kind of going back to, as I call it, a middle level school <laughs> where I had incredibly smart students, but I had a lot of students that wanted attention or, you know, mm-hmm. so um, it was a lot of uh, developing. It, I, I have to say since the pandemic started, it was much different because I had a lot of freshmen and I had met these freshmen just before we closed down when we had freshman night late January. So a lot of those freshmen I met luckily in person, but you know, when the school year started, um, I only met them a handful of times. In fact, three of them uh, just came back because we're in the final quarter now of the semester. So we got seven weeks left before we're done. Mm -hmm. And three of them just officially came back face to face. And we've never, we've never seen each other face to face. I mean, we've had the camera on then of course to the classic, what's my avatar in front of the camera. Cause I don't want to turn my camera on. I'll respond, but I don't sure. want my face shown. So it's been an interesting relationship. I think it's always been there because I know I would listen to him. I would talk to him. I was the first to respond to an email. So it, it, I have to say it has been harder. I do definitely like being in front, especially the ones I've been with for the last four years. Some of my seniors, we can just joke about and so forth. Some of my freshmen, they understand my, personality and I had two today to say how much they love the class. So um, I've always put myself out there, but I said it has been more difficult with straight mm-hmm. remote. And I, I've still got a couple of kids that are in remote. And I think outside of seeing their faces on occasional or through the occasional email, we, we've really not met face to face and sure. uh, even parents, same thing. We've had remote zoom, like we're talking now recording this, but yeah, I, I, I think I will probably see them probably in the fall, but we'll, we'll see where, you know, where we go in the world. Hopefully yeah. we'll, we'll get more and more as uh, life goes on. I, at this point in time, I said, I don't know what tomorrow brings. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. Ryan, I know that project-based learning is something that you're extremely passionate about. So I want to know how you're doing that in the remote learning space. 
Well, one thing when I decided to get into the classroom, I always joke, I said, I, I went the opposite way. I went to the dark side first as administrator, <laughs> middleman. Then I went back to a classroom teacher, even though I was in a Richmond, mm -hmm. I was always working with the students, even at my first uh, schools and internship. But I always told the, I always told the teachers, I always told the administrators, and I always told the students, I wanted something for them to take out of the classroom, not something they could Google, not something they could look on YouTube. I wanted them to take something else. So my biggest uh, plan um, in person is we would always go a set of questions and challenge. I still would have to give them the facts. I mean, sure. many students didn't even know there were four different types of economies. They always said like, <laughs> I thought there was one economy. No, there's four economies. And they looked at me and, there are, I'm like, Google search it. And they went, Oh, you're right. And then they went, well, what's a traditional. I said, well, all right, let's sit down and talk. And I handed them a, I handed them a candy bar. I was like, what's that? It's like, well, now, now what are you going to give me? And he looked at me, what do you mean? What are you going to give me? He's like, traditional economy. What are you going to trade me for that? Right. And he looked at me like, I have nothing to trade. He's like, then I'm taking back the candy bar. <laughs> <laughs> but that that kind of got them going. Um, I, I, I always wanted them to do um, their pieces for their activity. So they really had to build upon the lessons. I think something that, one thing that always talk about students is they always said they don't know what to expect in my classroom. Because they, they the one thing about problem-based learning is that there is a problem. You have to solve it, but you can't always say, well, this is the term and that's the term like that's not project price to learn. That's mix and match. That's just vocabulary and piece. Just like if I said, okay, spell the sentence for me. And they look at me and they go, well, the I is not capitalized. I said, exactly. It's mechanics. It should be a capital I. That's not problem-based learning. Yep. Mine is here is a tool. Let's do an example. I use Canva a lot. I said, here's my tool, Canva. And I give them a little instructional of how Canva works. Now I said, you need to make me a promotional poster for a country and what they trade. And they look at me like, what do you mean? I'm like, what? Social media is a big thing. People can't, you know, always walk out or, or, you know, send their ambassador to trade something for a country. They have to explain it. And I said, let's talk about our biggest trading pattern, Canada. What's a big thing in Canada? They said, oh, maple syrup. What's another bigger thing? They went hockey. What's another one? They like cartoons. I said, exactly. <laughs> so now how would you get me to care about buying your cartoon Right. So you can make a cartoon for my company to do a little commercial for me. And they said, Oh, I see this. So they had to, you know, build an actual promotional poster that would actually work on a social media using mm -hmm. Canva to actually make me care about your country's trade. And that really kind of made them start thinking. And uh, I kind of just always built with that too. Like an example was I used to use um, Sphero robots a lot when I was uh, doing my early coding for robot EDU. And I said, all right, this is how this works. I'm like, okay, what are we gonna do? I said, you're gonna put on this case. Like, what are you gonna do that? I said, you're gonna make me some graffiti art. What do you mean I'm gonna make you some graffiti art? It's like, get it in there, Google search it on your phone since you're looking at your phone so much and find graffiti art. And then they went, oh, that's graffiti art. I said, yeah, now paint. They're like, what am I painting? I'm like, well, Tell me, tell me, tell me what graffiti art is supposed to be. It's like, well, it's supposed to be an expression of colors. It doesn't always make things and sometimes it makes passes. It's like, sounds like a plan. You've been messing around with the Sphero robot. You make it do that. And I had a person actually made a star and then actually colored the it blue inside and made a couple of red sparks using a, the shake ability of Sphero. And I had tons of students that would say, I want to do that. How do I do that? I said, well, come on over. Let's uh, talk about it. But I said, first of all, look up graffiti art. And some kids look at me, graffiti art, the police going to arrest me? Like, no, 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 no. That's, a, that's vandalism. That's not graffiti <laughs> art. Yes, it's graffiti art, but done in an illegal sense. So look up what graffiti art is. If you notice, it's been around for about 200 years. And they went, it has. Yep. But that that really got it. the biggest thing about problem based learning is you got to make them think there's a problem they need to solve. And mm -hmm. the question is, what tools are they going to make that I mean, art when we did steam art back at Jackson, that was a creativity expression when I do stuff in consumer ed or family sciences. It's about to do those pieces to make sure they're able to solve it. Because like I said, you could look up and say, Okay, what do they trade in Austria? Oh, they trade this, this, this I'm like, okay, but 
how do you make them know that you trade that item? They went, right. Oh, I didn't think about that. So mm-hmm. it's making them think about that next level. So ask that question, but then say, as they say, how do you express that? And that's yeah. always been the biggest part in problem based learning. In a remote session, we have the tools to do it, but you got to ask the right questions and you get the thought because, you know, early project based learning used to be like, I'm going to give you four little things and it's up to you to make it look like a robot. Right. Okay. I got to solve that. I got to make a robot. I got to build it. I got to design it. I have two toothpicks. I have a balloon. What's the balloon for? Oh, I could blow up, make, take my marker and make it have eyes. I said, there you go. That would also be an example. Yeah. I love that model because like you said, it's problems that they're having to solve and that's real world solutions and real world experiences that they're going to have later in life. And how often are we really teaching that in the schools? So I love that you're doing that. And I want to talk about one of your projects that you're working on now, since you're doing instructional coaching, you know, within your school and on the side, like you said, the blended teacher matrix, what is that all about? When I came to um, Stillman Valley, my uh, my division leader, Kathy Murphy, she she was working on the blended classroom because she herself had gotten to the point too, where it's like, I, I can handle, I can hand these, I can try lecturing all day and the student, students are officially going to shut off and you're going to have those students that just can't work at that same pace as much as we try. And as much as we say, well, I don't like talking, I'm going to talk five minutes and we're going to work. Well, even then some students just can't work in that function. So we made, uh, she came up and blended has been around for several years. Usually some people called it hybrid. Some people called it e-learning long before there was the buzzword of 2020, but um, blended classroom is kind of a combination of self-paced students usually using technology based off a lesson and pretty much the blended classroom allows students to work at their own pace. Now it doesn't mean, let me give you this assignment. It's due Friday because sometimes you'll still have students that'll take two weeks before they even watch a video or read the read the digital PDF and say, oh, I got to make a shape gram based on Mr. Vincent's shape grams. That's great. It's, but I'm like, if you watch it and do this, it should take you 40, 45 minutes. And they say, well, I don't work that fast. I like to do detail. Okay, that's no problem. You've got four days, work at their own pace. But you also got to be very open to it too, because sometimes if a student feels like, oh, I'm at my own pace, their own pace might be seven classes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and then meanwhile, everybody else has moved on to the lesson. So she started doing videos using screencastify and YouTube yep. and just did in the problem. Of course, you know, Edpuzzle got up things. So we started using Edpuzzle because in this way, because one of us biggest problems, Edpuzzle is, you, you know, they always tell us you have to assess the students, how you understand their learning. And one thing we were, we were not doing that. We were doing the old quiz test method, or we do a little project base, have a nice little rubric, which was great. But we weren't, we were missing those little steps along the way where students were missing key appointment. It doesn't matter if it was Excel spreadsheets or maybe it was Google slides, but there was those little pieces. So we started redoing these models like with Edpuzzle or GimKit or Pear Deck where we could actually, you know, question the students in between, still work at their own self pace, but allow to have that more blended model. That way, if they were really caught in a problem, they could ask a friend or they could raise their hand and get our attention. Mm-hmm. But it opened us more time for us to check on the students. They could work at their self-pace and we could actually go around, which we've gotten a little bit better now because we can safely move them around more of the room than we used to. But now we can actually talk to the students, see where they're stuck, see what they're showing. And it gives a really nice demonstration of learning, allows us to answer questions, allows us to help them if they get stuck. And once in a while, they'll get a problem where like, I really don't know the answer to this. Let's 
figure out what the question is. Let's Google it or let me ask, you know, the teacher next door to me and hopefully we can figure out it. But the blended model is allow students to work at their own pace, Mm -hmm. helps with the anxiety, helps with some of their social emotional learning, allows them to actually work at the pace. And the best way about blended classroom, always pace it based off your high end students and your low end students, because then you'll find that nice, happy middle. That way students who finish earlier can move on to the next lesson. It's ready to go. We don't have to say, oh, we're not starting that until Friday. Um, sorry, you know, pull out your math and do some, uh, you know, do some study hall for 10 minutes, which that model allows the students to work at their own pace, the high end, low end, middle ground, and just gives them that time to work on it, question it, create design. And that just works really well. And it's, you know, we record, we do this less lecturing because I always tell the students, like, we're going to talk about taxes today, brace yourself. And they all look at me like, oh no, he's actually going to talk longer than 15 minutes. We got a problem because <laughs> I don't like lecturing. People know I talk a lot. I don't like lecturing. I just hate it. Yeah. Like you said, that's not the model that's going to help the students the most. So No. And then one thing, as I talked about earlier with the, the blended, with the project-based learning, it needs this, gives time for students to explore themselves. Yes. Yep. There's like, okay, I have to add this background color. So I have to click A and B and then I'll get me my colors. Yeah, very simple tools, but then it's like, what? But it, I, I'm not doing the work for you. You've right. got to make it look there. Yes, I have to grade it. Yes, I have to make sure you've hit your little points as you moved it. But at the same time, is they have to work on it, and it gives them a little lot more open space. Versus if I don't have this done by Thursday, the test is Friday, and I'm panicking, and I gotta get this done, and they turn in something where you just go, "This is really not your best work." <laughs> Are you a super fan of the Spire podcast? Well, now you can show off your support with the new Aspire swag featuring t-shirts, hoodies, and a variety of drinkware. You can find all your Aspire swag at teachbetter.com swag. Now let's get back to the podcast. Let's shift over to your other project and something that I love to listen to, which is the Pixel Classroom podcast. So as a fellow podcaster, I love listening to kind of the origin stories of these projects. So what led to this podcast? And then also, what is the podcast all about? I actually did a couple of uh, comic book podcasts mm-hmm. for a couple of years. I actually did a Green Lantern one for several years. And I really, I kind of was on the early podcasting back before it was cool yeah. or common as it is now. I mean, now I turn around, I teach my students how to do podcasts. Yeah. But um, <laughs> couple, uh, about two years, my wife, she has epilepsy, has since she was six. We tried starting the Epilepsy Awareness Podcast mm-hmm. because there really weren't any out there. And I knew how to do the podcast and we had kind of the minor equipment. So we kind of did this first episode, did Facebook Live, downloaded it and I threw it out anchor to get it out there and i think we were lucky if we had eight eight listens too like in like in in a month so it was kind of a problem so it kind of dropped and then i talked to some other people we tried to talk about getting a podcast started didn't happen our person tried didn't happen and then all of a sudden i kept seeing people have i hate to say this josh you were one of them (laughs) who kept doing (laughs) these podcasts and i finally said forget it i'm just gonna do this myself and then i just had to finish out the niche because i wanted to focus on education i'd been down the comic i'd been down entertainment i i I actually was part of a uh, book reading podcast a couple years ago during an internship, which was a lot of fun, but I wanted something different. So uh, the Pixel Classroom podcast comes in, which uh, people, if you've seen me on my social media, I have my Perler Beats, my Pixel Art, which has been a big thing. So I kind of came up with an acronym about passion, innovation, X Factor, which was a word a lot of people didn't hear. Mm -hmm. Enthusiasm, leadership in the classroom, which was since I was doing FBLA and other um, community outreaches before that. So the Pixel Classroom podcast came about and I wanted to really kind of try not to feel like I was photocopying. I mean, I have to say I listened about five, six podcasts a week every two days and then I'll listen to a couple and some subscribers like yours. Shout out there, Josh. But um, I wanted to do something a little different. I know I needed 
uh, educators to guess. And I, I've done that. I've had Mark French. I've had, I had Dave Burgess on not too long ago. Yep. Um, it, it's just amazing time, but I really also wanted to start talking to more local people, more community teachers I had worked with, which kind of, I think people got thrown off. Some people think, Oh, this person wrote a book or, Oh, there's a, it's that educator, man. What an amazing, Oh yeah, that person is educated. And then all of a sudden I decided to switch saying, no, I need to talk to people I've worked with local educators. And that kind of really found a nice little piece because these are really stories. They haven't written big books. Man, yeah, maybe they've won awards, maybe they've done community outreach, right. but it kind of brought a really nice humanization. And I think it really opened up listeners to listen to that. And since then I've done other ones. Sometimes I'll focus on a tool. Sometimes I'll do book reviews. I've, done more personal stories. I know you've heard me too, which yep. sometimes you probably people hear me about the tear up because I can get emotional. So my point of the, the Pixel Classroom podcast was just to be a more open podcast for education, but not try to lean anywhere, not to focus on one kind of education, not pick one side mm-hmm. and just be kind of open to try to be as open up for different educations, for new things, talk, personal stories. And of course, you know, people out there too. In fact, I've got a well-known uh, comic book inker that's planned on being on hopefully in about a month here and he's probably listening right now in um, New Mexico going oh no he's talking about me (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait growing up I was a huge comic book fan so yeah I I definitely uh, relate to that piece of your life I love seeing stuff that you post on social media and actually I think that's a good segue because we talked prior to actually pushing record about social media burnout so I know that you felt that at some point and it's a topic that I've never actually spoke about on the Aspire podcast but I've I felt that myself so Kind of what was that experience for you feeling the social media burnout? I think the, the one thing with social media burnout, and this, this was happening actually just prior to the pandemic because it was just so much was being thrown out there. And it's like, oh, I got to respond to this person. Oh, I got to be on my Twitter. Now I'm caught up in a uh, hashtag with some people saying some very horrible things, or I need to go on to my professional networks and look over things and post some nice stuff about this. And after a while, the problem started going with then comes into that trap where then you're comparing yourself to others. Like, you know what? Why am I on this topic? I, these are not the same ideals I have as these people. And honestly, they're saying some hateful things and it's making me feel bad because maybe I should say something or I feel like I have to do everything. Like, why am I not throwing out, you know, nine different comments about the latest issue of Spider-Man on Discord? Or why am I not sharing more professional articles on LinkedIn? Or why am I not doing two more YouTube reviews? Or why am I not talking? And it overloads. Mm -hmm. It just got horrible overload. And then you're sharing things or you respond to somebody. Or then, like I said, you start comparison yourself. I'm like, why am I not on that trip? Or why am I not winning that award or that Mm -hmm. book deal? Or why does my friend get to go there and I don't go there? He's had as hard of a life as me or why is she doing that and then also it gets to the point to where good news upsets you bad news upsets you really bad news upsets you next thing you know other things hit you and then you kind of just get to the point to where you don't want to do it anymore and yeah. it just got a point i mean some people have seen me starting to share a little bit more too but i've you know i've cut back because unfortunately it started coming home where mm-hmm. i was upset and there would be things at work and you don't really want to talk about them at work but you don't want to talk about social media because then not only are you putting out out there, you might be saying the wrong thing about someone saying, that's not what I meant. Or right. why don't you just tell me that person? And it just becomes too much. And it just got to the point to where you go down a rabbit hole and then you don't intend to go down that rabbit hole. So one thing I told people is like, I'm pulling back. I'm going dark in some areas though. When you use the term tark, some people say, oh, okay, you're getting off social media. But unfortunately, I didn't know this. Sometimes going dark is actually almost a suicidal term. So huh. some people say they go dark 
they don't hear from in months. And unfortunately doesn't have, but for some people it's been statistically proven that then unfortunately it's a suicide thing. And then I didn't even know I did that. So I said, I really just got to stop for a little while and just go to the things I feel are important or things like, you know, this is a good thing to share or yeah, I'm going to be on that chat tonight. Cause I have been there in weeks and I like to talk to my old friends and not worry about what's going down in this part of the world or this part of the country or yep. this thing in government or whatever. And it just, it was kind of nice to just do it. But, and the problem is our students do it too. I had a student the other day and he was at lunch and he's a good student, but he felt he had to be on discord. He had to put a snap and was, Oh, he didn't talk on TikTok. Oh, he's got, and then I just looked at him like, why are you trying to be in nine different places? He's mm-hmm. like, well, cause I feel I have to respond. I'm like, no, you don't. Yep. <laughs> and I told him like, I felt I had to, too. And you know what? I found out I don't have to. I talked to him the other day and he said, you know, I'm glad you said that. I said, I can just share it on the one, just keep one. I said, you're right. I don't always have to be on that one. But he said, but I like to get on my discord so we can play our games at night with friends. I said, I think that's a fine idea. Just go ahead and do it. Because honestly, that's a good reason to do that. So true in that balance, because social media can bring so much to your professional learning and connections. I mean, we got connected on social media and there's so many other educators that I've been connected through Twitter and Instagram and whatnot. But at the same time, you got to have that healthy balance and that line drawn where you don't need to be on there for hours on end, you know, to get the, the things that you need. And so I, I applaud you for that, uh, knowing your your limit there and, and using it only when you need it. That's an testament to you and, and to the wisdom that you bring. So Ryan, I want to ask you this question too because I love asking all my guests this is you know for the <laughs> aspiring leaders right this is what this podcast is all about um you've got quite a bit of leadership experience in your own journey and so for those who may not have a title or maybe they're starting their their leadership journey what are maybe one or two things that you would advise them to do today or you know next week well and this is one we we didn't really talk huge about but the blender teacher matrix which is I I've created which is based off the believe it or not this, uh the set the four C's and seven C's about blending classroom and I tell this to all teachers doing any technology or PBL adaptions like you what you really need to do is find out what is your main goal start with that goal stop trying to do everything at once I mean one thing we talked about pandemic also all these student teachers that were just I I don't want to use technology I don't had to use it and it was a lot thrown at them yeah. and I mean they, and given the the situation that's unfortunate as they say we were thrown in the deep end without without the inner tube it's like you're in there and good luck and hopefully you'll make it to the other side one of my biggest things I've said for aspiring leaders is first of all go in with what you know but right away, listen, who are your people? Who are the best people to talk to? I mean, it was, it's, it's just, you've got to start slow. Don't expect you're going to change things overnight. Or if you are going to be putting one, I mean, when I joined mine, I was put as an, an FBLA advisor and yes, I took it. I knew that I knew what FBLA was, but at the same time is I'm like, I'm an advisor again. I haven't been an advisor in five years. That was a disaster five years ago. <laughs> So I had to learn to listen to students. I had to learn to learn to my fellow advisors and coworkers. And I actually talked to other organizations and clubs to say, okay, I haven't done this in a long time. What's your advice? Even though there are different organizations, some be like, well, don't say that. That It's like, no, you, you have to really learn because being a good leader is first of all, realizing you're going to make mistakes yep. and some are going to be small. Some are going to be huge. I think my biggest mistake, believe it or not, I didn't make until several months later, which was giving myself a thumbs up that went so long without making a really huge mistake. But I think one thing that helped me through that journey and I good advice is, you know, talk to the people around you. It's like, who are the people that are on a similar journey or ones that have been it in a while. And sometimes people are just too afraid, like, okay, I'm the new vice principal, but I want to show that I have the authority. I know what I'm doing, but 
I need to prove to my principal what it versus like, okay, you've been doing this a little longer. You're the head honcho. You know, what would be advice to give to me? And I mm-hmm. think to my current superintendent, I actually asked him for help on one thing and he was more than happy to give me advice because he'd been in the teacher role. He'd been in the principal. He was in a superintendent assistant. So it was kind of nice to just be able to do that. So my first one is always ask for help for people who can. Another one is don't expect you're going to get it right. Even in your second or third year, sometimes you're going to do very well but their new learning experience stuff. I mean, I'm doing this my fourth year and I had to change completely different tier compared to the the pandemic. Or as I joked about, like, I know I wrote a dissertation on technology and professional development. So I better put my dissertation where my mouth is. (laughs) I learned a lot in the last year myself. I learned some better methods, but at the same time, as I told people, I learned to cut the junk out of my lessons and really Mm -hmm. focus on what the kids really needed to know and what they needed to learn to know. So it, it worked very well with that curriculum. So I always tell the teachers too, it's like, even when you start feeling comfortable, stop yourself. No, it's good to feel comfortable, but then what's challenging you to do better. Mm-hmm. And if you don't ask yourself that question, I will guarantee it's going to be a couple years later and you're going to be like, well, I can do that. Yep. now I don't know what to do. Yeah. Comfort is a good and a bad thing, right? You always want to challenge yourself and you always want to grow. And so, you know, for our listeners who are looking to grow and to connect with you, how can they connect with you on social media? Well, I'm not having my social media burn. I actually have (laughs) the Dice Up the Classroom blog. It's on classroomnextlevels.wordpress.com. Hard to believe I've I've had that website 10 years, 10 years of Twitter. I might not be there on as much as I used to be. I'm I'm still around though. Good things for sure. I'm at Ryan7Reed. That's number seven. And my last name is R-E-A-D like you read a book. (laughs) Instagram, which a lot of people follow me, which I think I'm on a little bit more because I share a little bit more. My design is is actually Herc78 at Herc78. I'm on Facebook. I might not respond hugely uh, all the time to uh, friend requests or anything, but I'm Mm ryan.reed.7. LinkedIn, I'm just Ryan C. Reed. Uh, Middle name's Christopher. And then YouTube, uh, I've had that channel I can't believe I've actually had that channel for 12 years now, but um, Ryan3178, I do a lot of uh, comic reviews uh, on that thing, but I do a lot of uh, other pieces, instructional stuff. So I have a little something for everybody. If you're a comic book fan, come to the YouTube channel. If you're looking for some blended classroom, come to that channel. If you're looking for some weird book reviews and green screen fun, I'm on that channel. I have something for everybody. I said my YouTube channel is just me in general from everything <laughs> I love, from education to comics. Well, definitely connect with Dr. Reed, I'm just so proud of what you've been able to do, the projects that you have going on. Definitely check out his podcast, connect with him on social media. Ryan, you are always a wealth of information, and I just appreciate you so much. Thank you so much, Josh, and thank you, too, for the podcast and everything you've done on the Teach Better Network and so forth. You've also been an inspiring uh, inspiration to listen to and see out there.